Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Super excited today. We have Netta Gorman here, who is from Life After Sugar, and we're going to have an amazing and inspiring conversation. So Netta, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. Do you want to start by giving us a little bit of background? You are a fellow Brit, but also a fellow not living in Brit. So what happened there? Yes, well, I grew up in England. And funnily enough, you're you grew up in Devon and my dad lived in Totnes in Devon. So I spent all my summers there. So we're sort of neighbours. When I was doing my A-level, I did French as one of my A-levels. And there was a teacher's assistant that came from my second year. And he came from Quebec in Canada, the French speaking part. And long story short, we started going out together. And I went over for my gap year. I went over to Quebec instead of going to France for my gap year before starting university. And another long story short, I ended up staying in Quebec and have been here ever since. I was 18 at the time. And then I ended up doing my degree here and I teach English as a second language in a college here. I'm in my 28th year now. Wow, fabulous. And are you loving it? I love it. I love it. Not loving the long winters that much, but I tell you, I love the winters more here than I did in England. (laughs) Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, our winters here in Spain are quite nice. And people always think winter in Spain is warm, but where we are, it's not always warm, but we do have some nice warm days. Anyhow, what I want to talk to you about is your amazing journey about sugar. So your website, your blog, your, excuse me, podcast is called Life After Sugar. And it's really about your journey with sugar. So do you want to tell us all about what happened to you and sugar? Yeah, yes, yes. So I called my sort of experience as it were, and it turned into a podcast and everything else, Life After Sugar, because you know how you've got these before and after pictures of people when they've made some kind of big transformation, not necessarily just weight loss, but any kind of transformation. Well, mine is also a before and an after story, but you can't necessarily see it. It's how I feel. And my problem was not weight at all. It was my digestion. And ever since my late 20s, my digestion just got worse and worse and worse. And I also had other health problems like uh, depression, anxiety. We dealt with infertility as well. And 
in my mid 40s, we actually managed to have a baby with IVF. And in my mid 40s, I was my digestion was so bad. I was going to the toilet like once a week, you know, and I was really suffering. And it was um, suggested to me by a nutritional therapist that I consulted to cut out for just two weeks. And I know you talk about this period of two weeks, just two weeks, cut out sugar, flour and refined grains and sweeteners. And in fact, all sweet foods just for two weeks to see if it would help my digestion, a sort of an elimination thing. And I said, no, no way. What are you crazy? Who would do that? You know, give me I'm looking for a solution, not some sort of extra problem of taking away all foods I love. So as I do with pretty much everything, I resisted. I resisted it and I said no. And the upshot is that nothing changed and things just got worse and I wasn't feeling any better. So eventually I got over myself, got out of my own way, and I said, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a try it's only two weeks, as you say, you know, you can do anything for two weeks. And I do have quite an adventurous spirit. So I thought i will give it a try and prove her wrong. <laughs> and it backfired. You <laughs> didn't proved- know that she was letting into this like amazing podcast journey as well. <laughs> I know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and probably just as well, actually. And so I did do what she suggested. And the first week was relatively difficult because my body was sort of detoxing, as it were, from the sugar that I was used, it was used to getting. But that was really only temporary, it was only two or three days. And the second week, I started to feel so much more energetic and sort of, I wasn't overweight, but my spare tire started melting away. And then my joints started getting more supple. I wasn't getting achy joints when I was getting getting up in the morning and all sorts of other things. My skin was clearing up. My headaches started to sort of be more and more spaced apart because I used to have three or four headaches a week. And I just, I thought, gosh, you know, I feel great. And I thought, I'll just carry on one more week, you know, just three weeks instead of two. And basically I just sort of kept adding another week and thinking, well, I'll stop when I don't feel so good. But the thing is, I keep I kept feeling good all the time. So um, I never looked back, really. And it's been almost seven years. Wow. Congratulations. That is amazing. Thanks. Yeah. And I mean, I have no real credit for doing that because the, the only thing that I sort of deserve, I suppose, a pat on the back for is putting my well-being top of the list of my priorities. Yes. No, absolutely. And I think you are belittling yourself and not taking credit where credit is due because yes you did make the change you did do things differently and I think you know it's really easy to be stuck in that zone of if nothing changes nothing changes in fact that's what we talked about when we recorded on your podcast so I think your podcast will come out later than mine so you can everyone can go and listen to your podcast and have more in depth on that conversation yes but essentially if nothing changes nothing changes Exactly. Yes. And I mean, I couldn't tell what changes were going to happen. I couldn't think that far ahead because here I was trying something I'd never tried before and was kind of deep down against, really. I mean, I didn't want to and I didn't want to stop eating sugar. That was not my wish. But that ended up being my after story, my life after sugar. Why do you think you were so resistant to giving up sugar? Because I love sugar. 
Doesn't everyone? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. They do. The human body is designed to love sugar. That's like one of our fundamental things. I always say we're glucose-seeking missiles, particularly children. And I think, to be honest, adults are as well. And the people who aren't have trained themselves not to be, that our default setting is go and get the glucose because... Back in the day, it was go and pick blackberries because that's what's going to keep you alive. It's just that we've now still got that setting and supermarkets, which is not a great combination. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I considered that I used to eat relatively healthy, you know, even before I stopped sugar. But but when I actually really made this concerted effort and this conscious decision to stop, if only for, for originally two weeks, I realized that crikey, like 80 or 90% of what I'm eating is actually manufactured food or manufactured food like products, you know, and not real whole foods. And then I started to really become more aware, not just reading labels, although, you know, I've, I've got a degree in linguistics and I couldn't understand food labels, you know, they're made to be confusing. But I started reading food labels and then I realized, oh, wait a minute, most of the foods that are whole foods don't even have labels. Yeah, yeah. And then so I started that and then I also started making my own fermented foods and drinks, my kombucha, my yogurt, my kefir and my sauerkraut and kimchi and looking after my gut health as well as cutting out sugar is what made the, the big, big difference in my life after sugar. In other words, those two things, cutting sugar, adding probiotic homemade foods to my diet, you know, that's how come I've been doing it for so many years because it's just magic. Well, so here's a question. You said, I eat sugar, I ate sugar because I really enjoyed sugar. So what's replaced that for you now? What do you, where do you get your, how do you fill that hole of, I used to really love sugar? What do you do now? Yeah, my life is not a whole series of sad and (laughs) sadness and deprivation. No way. I, you know, we were talking earlier about how I've created this sort of new, because I'm a language teacher, new dictionary, new definition of treats and happiness and enjoyment of my food. And I've actually become more of a foodie now than I was before, because I consider that before all of my enjoyment of food was sort of limited to sugary, sweet things, whereas now I enjoy all the foods that I eat. I eat everything I want. I just changed what I want. And I enjoy every single thing that I eat. There is nothing missing and nothing that I eat that I don't enjoy. And like my definition of enjoyment has changed. And it's not limited to chocolate and sweet foods. It's now a lot, lot wider. And therefore, I've just got more enjoyment and yeah, and, yeah I love it. Yeah, it's, it's so. Just, what is your definition of a treat then? Everything, everything <laughs> that I eat is a treat. Perfect. Eating itself is a treat, and even fasting because I do intermittent fasting just naturally from not eating sugar and not spiking my my insulin and, and my hunger hormones. So just fasting is a treat. Listening to my body is a treat. Going out for a walk is a treat. Sitting in the sun is a treat. Having peace and quiet to read a book is a treat. (laughs) Cuddling the cat is a treat. Shall I go on? (laughs) No, no, I totally get it. And I'm totally with you. I always say I lead a life of luxury. And I don't mean I have a Louis Vuitton handbag. I don't have a Louis Vuitton handbag or even a Hermes handbag. You know, what I mean is 
I get to swim in the sea and I get to walk in the woods and I get to go cycling and spend time with my kids and gardening and choose the things that really light me up and do those things. Also knowing that they are supporting my health, my health goals as well, that, you know, the things that light me up are also healthy things as opposed to things that are damaging my health. So, yes, yeah, no, yes. totally with you. And the lighting up is like, I could, I would say that before chocolate lit me up, but now I know that it lit me up and then it smacked me in the face afterwards. Oh, yes. Whereas now, you know, if I go for, I like the other day for Mother's Day, I went for a walk with my daughter. I took her for an ice cream. She had the ice cream. I had the treat of being with my daughter, who's 14. So that's quite a rare treat of actually spending an hour with her. That was my treat. It doesn't need to be, as you were saying, some sort of fancy, expensive thing. It just needs to be something that lights you up. And it can be the simplest things. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Right now, my list is looking at green things all the trees around me, looking at the blue sky, which is, you know, as a British person, blue skies are always <laughs> going to be a treat. <laughs> Certainly. Yes. And for, for me, green, looking at green things, living in Canada, half the year, it's white, not green. <laughs> yes, you are definitely much braver than me. Another question for you. So, you know, hearing your story and thinking about, you know, you're in that space of, well, quite frankly, it sounds like you weren't feeling very well at all. And for, on one level, thankfully, that pushed you to make changes. But there's a lot of people who are sitting there who are in that situation and think, oh, my goodness, I kind of know I want to make changes, but I'm busy. But this, but that, but something else. What do you say to those people? I get it. I was exactly the same. Totally. I had all the excuses And they weren't excuses in my head. They were jolly good reasons to say no, because I was suffering. And the only way that I would stop suffering in my head was to eat the chocolate or eat the sweets. You know, that was the only source of comfort that I had to deal with the suffering. It wasn't the source of my suffering in my head. And making that switch of realizing, oh, wait a minute, you know, that suffering is actually coming from my eating those types of foods. And, and then later when I read up on it, you know, spiking my blood sugar and spiking my insulin and all the rest of it, that's what's causing the problems. And then that's what's causing my gut issues, my digestive issues. And then I discovered just a new way of not just eating, but a new way of living and relating to not just my food, but my life, that actually was just life-changing. It was life-changing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, for people who are listening and thinking, you know, I think another thing that I see people sitting and looking at is going, oh, it won't work for me. I can't do it. It won't work for me. I can't do it. And I watch people's transformations and I'm always amazed whether I've had any input into it or not, but they are just normal people doing normal things. And if one normal person can do it, another normal person can do it. And yes, everybody has unique issues and problems, but they aren't insurmountable. There's always a solution if you really want to find it. But I think that's the crux. It's if you really want to find it. Yes. And I think that, you know, as I'm a teacher and, you know, I have to, admit that 
more information is not necessarily the solution. You know, there's lots of info out there. Yes, you could have thrown all the info at me about the insulin and the this and the that. And I would still have said, I don't care because I'm, there's no way I'm giving up desserts and my chocolate. But it's sort of like we have to get to a point. This is just human nature. At least it is mine. Have to get to a point where you just sort of don't have any other choice. My body backed me into a corner and I could not suffer anymore. And that was my threshold for suffering. Other people have other thresholds and some people can, you know, go all the way to cancer and be at death's door before they make any changes, if any. This was my threshold. And I was willing to do what it took to make a change eventually. And I'm so happy I did. And ever since then, that was in 2015. Since then, I've had the time, the mental clarity and sort of the the freedom now to not spend all my energy thinking about how awful I feel. I can now spend my energy helping other people. And that's also part of my life after sugar, as I call it, because now I can actually get out of myself and go out in the world and help others. Fabulous. I think, you know, that is the next step, you know, look after yourself and then inspire other people to start making changes themselves. And I think it's an amazing thing to be able to do. So would you like to, on that note, would you like to tell people what it is that you do and how you help people? Yes. Well, I started out giving in-person workshops about sugar and about, you know, how cutting sugar, whatever, even if it's just a little bit, but all the way to zero, like I did, whatever fits, how that is 100% positive for 100% of people. And I was doing this in French because I live in French speaking Quebec. And then I moved it online, made a website, which is easier said than done, as you know. Then I decided to switch over to English because it happens to be my language anyway. And then I made this podcast called Life After Sugar um, about a year ago, and that took off. It's crazy. It took off. I think I'm up to 120-something thousand downloads. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And it's very popular with a lot of people, especially with the intermittent fasting community, because funnily enough, when you reduce sugar, you're less hungry, you feel less hungry, and intermittent fasting sort of comes naturally. It did for me. And if you want to have an easy intermittent fasting lifestyle, one one major way to get there is to eat whole foods, which naturally excludes sugar and flour. So I have this podcast that comes out every Sunday, Life After Sugar. I've got a website and a membership called the After Sugar Club. And the website is aftersugarclub.com. And that's where I help people who are ready, committed, you know, not that they've sort of got over that period of no, 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 no way will I do that, (laughs) that I went through. And they're now at a stage where like, okay, Netta, I'm ready, I'm committed. Tell me how to do it. Because it's all very well saying, oh, yeah, just cut sugar. But then a whole load of other things come up. The, The emotional relationship we have with sugar, the emotional needs that sugar meets that we now need to meet in other ways, the social aspects of not eating sugar and flour and and the social pressure. What do you do when you're invited out or when you have people over or when you get all these judgmental comments from colleagues and friends and whatever, family? 
And all the different aspects of life after sugar is what I help people with. Regular people, I mean, doctor, and I'm not a nutritionist, but I am a teacher and I have been living this for seven years. So that's what I help people with. Amazing. Congratulations. It sounds absolutely fabulous. Any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave people with? I think the major thing that helped me that I've seen helps other people is having an open mind and this sort of let's give it a try. You never know sort of (laughs) outlook and attitude. And what I said at the beginning, putting your own well-being first, especially as a woman, especially as a mother, is the one thing that made the biggest difference for me, at least. And it does for people that I help as well. Fabulous. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me.